So yeah, so it 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 has to put everybody in their places so that the original series Mobile Suit Gundam can happen. It's it's the fate of all prequels. My favorite part was when they introduced about twenty five new characters in the last thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost like the the eighties movie where at the end you like hear whatever and yeah. went on to do <laughs> like a police academy, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So welcome everyone back to Pem Pem Pals for our last episode covering Gundam the Origin. As always, I'm Alex and with me are my two co-hosts. Hey, this is Brian. Hey, this is Ben. And we're very excited. I'm super excited to geek out a little bit um, to have two uh, fellow podcasters on as guests, Sin and Sophie. Hi. 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 Hello. <laughs> I know you guys are new to this series, but uh, do you have a lot of uh, history with anime in general? Do you have any formative series or, or, or films that uh, really meant a lot to you? We're both laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, would you like to tell us which series means a lot to us? Okay, so Sin has not, um, Sin's experience with anime is quite limited. She's She is fixated on the, the Shonen series, Kotekyo Hitman Reborn. <laughs> Sin, having never seen a Shonen series before, <laughs> was amazed by the plot twists in Kotekyo Hitman Reborn, such as the presence of a tournament arc. Right. Okay, the main character gathers up a team, right? And mm -hmm. then they're all like together, and sometimes a bad guy becomes a good guy, and then there's more bad guys, mm -hmm. but then each good guy has a bad guy equivalent, but then they all become good guys. It's amazing. Just, I've never seen anything just, like that in my incredible. life. Just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything else like it. Well, the, the thing no. is like when we were watching it the first time, I was predicting all these things would happen leading to sin accusing me of having seen it before. <laughs> Sin's, Sin's favorite anime is, is actually MD Geist. That is not a joke. Oh, old school. Do you know MD Geist? I, I know of it, but I have not seen it. There's actually two, and the second one is much better than the first. Is it about a ghost who's a medical doctor? MD <laughs> <laughs> Geist. That's a medical drama. <laughs> it stands for most dangerous Geist, and it's not a joke. He's like a super soldier. Oh. And the second one is actually very relevant to today's world with like social media and all that. It's very, very deep. It's like the power suit genre, right? Like Giver, stuff like that. We have we have seen Giver. <gasps> That's one I hadn't thought about in a really long time. Specifically, we've seen the the live action one with Solid Snake in it. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, two. Yeah. Ah, Dark Hero. The first one has Mark Hamill. In it, it does. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the first one is is marketed as though Mark Hamill is the Giver, and then you actually watch it, and he's not. He's like the Giver's wacky friend who turns into yeah. a, who turns into a locust. My God, John, you've got to help. Oh yes, some of the best creature effects in that movie. <laughs> oh man, really? yeah, yeah, it's it's screaming Mad George. All right, so so out of game, <laughs> uh -huh. Alex. Do we have two guests that are more old school anime than me? Uh, it's entirely possible. <laughs> we're, we're replacing you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well, gonna. I mean, this, speaking of old school anime, like I, I had not ever seen any Gundam before this. I knew a little bit because back in the '90s, they showed Gundam Wing on TV. 
Um, I was familiar with what Gundam was because it's such a, a ever-present mm. thing. Because I mostly knew it through the model kits, the Gunpla kits. I, I hung around hobby shops a lot, and like, there's just so many of these. I remember specifically there's a, a hobby shop mm. I go to that had one of those gigantic Gunpla kits, like 300 bucks, just sitting in the middle of the store. And... Um, no one ever bought it. It's still there. <laughs> I was calling it Gundam. I actually thought literally all the robots were called Gundams until about six months ago. So I know nothing. And I still know nothing. But you- having watched the series <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty of the same thing. I was just playing Bloodborne for a while last year. And <laughs> turns out that's We're not- ideal. We're yeah. ideal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> but Sophie, were there any uh, uh, anime series that uh, really influenced you, or just just Reborn? Just Reborn, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Cool, um, cool, the closest cool. thing I'd seen, I guess, to to Gundam would be Macross. I'd seen a lot of Macross, awesome. and um, I guess the difference being that Macross is more of like a um, more of like a soap opera, I suppose. As it was like who who was in a love triangle with who and all these other things. That was the closest thing I had to it. And watching Gundam was it was similar in that it, it had that scope to it and it had a similar look to it. But the way it was actually focused on like military tactics and things wasn't something I was familiar with. Speaking of which, Sophie, um, I think when I first got the message to be on this podcast and I was asked, "Oh, do you know Gundam?" I may have said something like, "Oh yeah, that's the one with the singing AI and the robots. I've seen that." <laughs> <laughs> So, Sin and Sophie, if I'm hearing right, uh, Gundam The Origin is then uh, the only modern anime that the two of you have seen? No, no we've seen other stuff, like so- Sword Art Online. Oh, okay. okay. What happened? Like, bris- oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're just so in sync, you know, I assume. What about the, um, oh my god, I just had it. Berserk, that's the one, yeah, yeah. Berserk feels kind of old school to me, too. Like, when someone drops Berserk, I'm like, oh, okay, you know anime. No, there's the new ones on Netflix. Oh, the new ones. Oh, yeah, the the golden egg arc or what it's it's called. I don't know. I couldn't really watch them, to be honest, too much, like, (laughs) shading or whatever. I don't (laughs) (laughs) So you're both experts in anime. Yes. All right, we're cool. (laughs) I just just found something. Hang on. I just found a piece of of note I took called Sin's Anime Corner. Oh, no. (laughs) This is from about 18 months ago. It's when we started talking about anime. got her to write down how she felt. Greatest anime ever made is, of course, Kotekyo Hitman Reborn. Berserk is good because it has a lot of positive messages. (laughs) Does it? According to Sin. Um, I don't remember writing this. <laughs> was I drinking? <laughs> I, well, probably. <laughs> um, okay, Fully Cooly. I cannot watch it because it is too depressing. <laughs> we just covered that. <laughs> don't stop just yet. Evangelion. Depressing, but not as depressing as Fully Cooly. Mm, hot take. <laughs> what an interesting take. Uh, Empty Geist. Love it almost as good as Reborn. Uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure have problems because the characters are too tall. <laughs> she would. She later. She later revised this, and we did watch Jojo. Um, and then we have uh, Pat Labor, which is just unsure, reserving judgment. Oh, I want to revisit that because uh, 
Some of it is from one of my favorite people who directed uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, Mamoru Oshii. Yeah. Yes. yes he's um, a big and fan. he yeah. wrote God, Jinro. Yeah. Wolf yeah. Brigade. Yeah. He did. He he wrote Jinro, the Wolf Brigade, and he he made a bunch of live action Jinros as well. Wait, what? He made there a live action Jinro. Oh, you didn't know about the live action? Are they? Like prequels or sequels or it doesn't matter. They're in I, the same universe. They're like sidequels. It's like the same <laughs> universe, but it's it's like follows a different character. But they've got like the protect gear and well, sort of. Okay, <laughs> sort of have it in them. Um, they All have that at, at, the, at the start, and then it just becomes something else. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, All right. yeah. All right. Lots of long lingering shots of like rice paddies and things. Oh, I adore those. So, okay. <laughs> I've got something to watch now. So is it like wow. a slice of life story in the Jinro universe? It's it's sort of like Apocalypse Now if it wasn't in a jungle. It's just like one of them goes <laughs> okay. rogue and the others have to find him and he's like hanging out in China. That sounds amazing. Well, it's it's really not very much like Jinro, but yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, as, as long as it's got... I don't know. Is that, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, we uh, glossed over something pretty important. JoJo's was invoked, and I have not met many people <laughs> that have done the JoJo's ride. So I have to ask, like, how far into the story did you get? Because it's potentially a commitment. Oh, we, we were watching um, specific episodes with other people. Okay. So we saw little bits and pieces of Stardust Crusaders. Um, <laughs> That's we, a complicated that, story. That, that, was, <laughs> that, that was like the jumping on point, I guess. A lot of people consider it sort of the point at which it becomes the thing it is now. So mm -hmm. I didn't, Sin, did you, Sin didn't see any Phantom Blood, did you? Well, in Jojo or whatever, I saw the first season, a little bit of the second one. And uh, Diamond a little bit. Yeah. But Diamond is a little hardcore and depressing. I don't know. Everything is depressing to you. Yeah. No, there's like violence. I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put this in perspective, Sin's favorite anime is about the mafia. Right. Yeah. Specifically? Specifically? It's the wacky mafia. Yeah. Yeah. That employs babies. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Maybe I don't know what Reborn's about. The person who wrote Reborn doesn't know what Reborn's about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, like, my question is, um, the actual, like, 1970s series, that pretty much this is the beginning of that, essentially. Yes. Yeah, because I, I noticed, like, the OVA opening kept changing, and um, this sort of chunk of it starts with actual footage from that series showing the same events. Man, I totally missed in the, that. that. In the sense. opening, they show this montage of like 70s animation. So I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Right. Okay. So it's the Battle of Loom. Dozel has ordered his ships to... Disperse and change heading while returning fire! Oh, uh, this is the first time that Minovsky particles have become a problem for sensors out in the battlefield. So normally you, they could use like radar, but now they're basically relegated to line of sight and so as they uh, change course and move away, one of the fleets loses track of them and ends up going way too far trying to find them. Sin, Sin and I are both making faces because we don't know what Minovsky particles are. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a guy called Minovsky halfway through. He yeah. got squashed. The Russian side. <laughs> so Minovsky particles are, well, it, it's the basis for all of the technology in 
So like the the reactors run on these particles uh, or create these particles as they uh, create energy. And as they are emitted from a ship, it causes that like electrical interference, which makes uh, radar, things like that not work. Uh, and they're also the same thing that powers the particle cannons that the big ships are firing back and forth at each other. So let me ask you, mm. is the Minovsky particle what powers everything in the Gundam universe or in the Universal Century specifically? Uh, Universal Century specifically. And, and so so all the ships are using the Minovsky particles, but then mm. the the mobile suits, the thing was they could miniaturize it. So now you can put it into this like much smaller mobile suit versus a big ship. Yes. Well, just, just to clarify one thing. So a lot of these things are still using nuclear reactors and the mobile suits have many nuclear reactors. And so like uh, later, if someone hits a mobile suit the wrong way and they hit the reactor right. and go badly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so one of the uh, fleets, the Tianum fleet, kind of shoots past Dozel's fleet because they're unable to get their position again. And the Revel fleet, the bigger fleet, they end up right on top of Dozel's fleet because Dozel's fleet, like, comes around, cuts their uh, energy, and by the time that Revel's fleet realizes what's happening, it's kind of too late. Mm -hmm. Federation's about to get wrecked. Is that the part where, like, Shar shows up in his cool suit and just stomps on everyone? Be amazed at what I am capable of, almighty uh, Yeah, he's the first uh, uh, mobile suit to engage the fleet. Like, these mobile suits, because they can get in so close, they can, like, get right up next to a, uh, uh, a bridge and just blow the whole thing with a few rounds. Yeah, I really like that part. The animation and choreography was really good. Agreed. A lot of pew, pew, pow, pow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, the visuals were gratifying enough that I was able to forgive a lot of the, you know, terrestrial-looking combat that's in the environment of space. But, like, just those smoke trails that stay yeah, yeah. hanging in space, right. uh, it's such a cool effect. There was something in the notes that you sent about Char. He did something where he, he, he used the specific acceleration of his suit to do extra damage. Mm -hmm. Is that ever actually said? Because I didn't, I had to read your notes to notice that. Uh, no, it's not said, but yeah. he... Oh, okay, right. It's portrayed in like, he accelerates really fast and then comes about and like that momentum is conserved. Right, okay. There's like a little okay. sonic boom effect. Yeah, like yeah. the bead lines come around him, yeah. which would not happen in space. <laughs> no, no. Maybe, maybe it's the displacement of the Minoski particles that we're <laughs> saying. <laughs> oh! Yeah, I mean, I guess um, I tracked with that uh, last episode. Char was showing off to the Black Stars about... Said something the, the mechanics about removing the safeties on his acceleration. Yeah, so, so there was this shot where he was like flipping down all of the switches right before he starts accelerating. And I was trying to figure out what that was. I thought maybe he was going to like, you know, all the lights were going to turn off or something. And that was like him going stealth. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so I was kind of surprised because I feel like I've been like, I feel like most of the Xeon characters are the villains at this point. But then I found myself rooting for Zeon in this battle. And I was just like, why is that? Is that because 
you know, Char is kind of leading the charge. And even though he's done some pretty messed up stuff at this point, you're still like bonded with him because you've been with him since he was a kid. Or is it just because they set them up as like the underdogs for this battle? And so you just naturally root for them because, you know, it's, it's this kind of smaller, scrappier group going up against this whole armada. They did drop a colony on on Sydney though and kill half the population of Earth. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> I, I tomato, sort of, tomato, Sophie. It was very like it was very. Are we the baddies? Have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? <laughs> are we the baddies? Every time Zion comes, <laughs> it's, it's just like they're literally dressed as space Nazis and going see. <laughs> Half the world's population. Yeah, they did that. They did that. I don't like Sydney. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, positives, at least as a crater, it'll be easy to navigate. But, like, I was, I feel like once you do that, I don't really want to be on your side anymore. (laughs) I listen to what you to talk you up. But wait a minute. Also, Char is a psychopath. Sophie, didn't that action of dropping a colony on Earth, like, accelerate a treaty? I feel like there were other ways you could have done that. (laughs) (laughs) A gift basket, maybe. (laughs) But I love your devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that, like, the whole deal with Gundam is that it had that, like, the both sides were sort of, like, it was going between them and there were honorable people on either side and everything. But like, there's so many just straight up war crimes. <laughs> oh this. yeah. Cause we, we talked yeah. earlier about Macross and like the thing about Macross is they did that as well, but, but they sort of kept the military stuff off to one side. So it would be like, it would just be like, we're, we're fighting each other, but we're actually in love. There wasn't like whole <laughs> scenes focused on Zentridi war crimes against civilians. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Zentradi did wipe out like all of Mars and Earth, right? Earth was kind of a wasteland when they, by the time the Macross got back. Yeah. But anyway, I will say that I was still rooting for the Xeon. Um, maybe part of it was because uh, the two admirals, um, Tiananmen and Revel, uh, were both like, we're going to end this in one blow. And like, yeah, half the world's population is dead. I don't really see that as the Xeon doing that. I see that as... Uh, the space colony did it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Physics did it. Physics Gearin. did it. it was... uh, yeah, to me, yeah. that was Gearin's doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he is kind of the personification of Nazism in the... I'm, I'm anyway, surprised sorry, that they ben. didn't set up more of a thing where there were, like, space noids, like, starving from, like, the Earth's oppression yeah. or something like that in episode one, right? Like, we saw people rioting and they want their freedom, but we never really got, like, good stakes. And, and maybe that's part of the message they're going for is that, like, this isn't really a noble battle. This is just, like, yeah. these elites that want power. Yeah, because they, they call it Operation British, which, as far as I'm aware, is supposed to be, like, the British Empire. It's a reference to the British Empire um, breaking mm-hmm. down and losing its colonies. It's meant to be, like... The, the colonies are declaring it writing. But like you said, that there was a, a lack of like, I, in this, I don't know if this is, it's probably in some other Gundam thing that I haven't seen. But like, it's so much about the Xeons, but it's about the Xeon elite. But mm-hmm. I didn't really get a sense of like what they were actually rebelling. They just look like weird fanatics in this. They just look like a bunch of people who, who decided to take Daikon's philosophy to its logical conclusion. 
not even a logical conclusion. They just seem like they're, they're fanatical. Right. I think they invoke Daikun, yeah, but I don't think yeah. they actually no, yeah, care that, yeah, about yeah. what his philosophy was. Yeah, yeah. That's the, they, you can see they, they hijack it. But that, that's sort of the thing. They, they seem fanatical. You, you know, I didn't get a sense of the people on the ground. Mm. Then but I it, have a series for you. <laughs> I would say the the Zabi family are fanatical. Mm. Um, yeah, and that, that's, what I, that's sort of what I mean. Like, so much of the yeah. focus is like entirely, essentially, on the Zabis. Whenever mm-hmm. you see Zayon, so the notion mm-hmm. of like the Zayon population supporting them as an anti-colonial thing didn't come across. Because like, like a lot of this did not come across strongly to me at all, and I'm completely aware that it's referenced in something else. But we've not seen those things. Minovsky <laughs> particles. You're right. <laughs> no, right. Let me ask a uh, reference question. Like, um, so Sin and Sophie, what's your understanding of the new types? Oh, I know. She's seen Unicorn. Oh. I know hey. from Wikipedia, Boyfriend, as well as Unicorn. <laughs> okay. Awesome. But yeah, when I was watching, I had no idea what was happening most of the time. I had to Google things, mm. and then my boyfriend had to explain to me, like, this happens here. This is this person. This is that. Yeah, yeah I was actually yeah. thinking about that, because so this is my first time watching it, but we've been talking about it as we go. So Alex and Brian, you guys brought up the new types and, and their powers and stuff like that. Then I was like, wait, but if I was watching this show, would I have, like, figured that out? Or would I have just been like, that's weird, like, like when some, like, psychic shit happened, you know? Because I guess the people in the universe aren't really aware of this either, right? So I guess maybe we kind of got it most explicitly with, what's her name, the the girl in the casino. Oh, Lala? Yeah, with the Lala plotline. That's that's when it gets the closest to, to being text, but they still never say, like, these are new types or whatever, right? It's just like mm. this one woman seems to have psychic powers. Yeah. This one woman who, yeah. if you haven't seen any other Gundam media, is um, <laughs> in it for one scene and then she's never on screen again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's part of the question. She kind of comes out of nowhere in, uh, in the original. By the way, Char went to a casino and found a psychic <laughs> lady and then, and then that was it. Yeah, but, but it, I guess if this yeah. was a standalone thing, then right, she would have stayed on as a character and like helped out in this final conflict mm. or something. Th- mm. there, there was a recurring thing throughout this where they would introduce a character and then in my head I'm like, is this a character who, are they humanizing this character because they're going to be important in a show from 1979? Or are they humanizing this character because they're going to kill them in about five minutes to make me feel bad? And it was about 50-50. I, I knew what a new type was just from watching this because they say so. But they mm-hmm. said so like once and it mm. never comes up again. I, I sort of context, I contextualized that the psychic lady was a new type. All I know is like for, at the beginning they said like, well, if, you, if you're in space, you'll eventually develop psychic powers. And then they show a psychic lady about eight episodes later. And I'm like, okay, it's probably that then. He was never actually in space though, right? I don't know where anyone yeah. is. Because all the, the colonies look like Earth. <laughs> they do. It's very confusing. I liked it at the start because they would show the sky and the sky would have little panels in it. I'm like, okay, that's the colony. Yeah. And then they just stop. And I don't know where anything is. <laughs> like, okay, back, back, back to Katekio Hitman Reborn. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that is a series with about 4,000 characters and multiple timelines, but it tended to stick to one at a time, so I was able to follow this insane nonsense. Sure. Gundam, so it was just jumping around from like half a dozen different space colonies, and I was like, I don't know where any of this is. Yeah, I, I will admit, <laughs> I had to keep a chart next to me with like yeah. all the different sides and 
what their common names were. And, and I mean, we're going to see Amaro at the end of this. That's sort of emblematic, I think, of the weird relationship I had with this. They bring in Amaro, who's like the main character of um, the Gundam series that we was actually like the 70s one. But like mm-hmm. Amaro, Amaro shows up and his role in the story only makes sense if you know he's the main character of something later on. Yeah. To the point where like if this had been a standalone thing, I, you would not have him in it at all. You could all just have been about Char. And then all these peripheral characters are essentially meaningless. It's like those scenes in the Star Wars prequels where they'll just stop and a character will show up and they'll be like, oh, hello, Chewbacca. Goodbye, Chewbacca. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, but they go for 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, so is Char, is he like the like Boba Fett? character or something like that like is he like the darth vader but i mean like was he like kind of like the fan favorite character where they're like oh "Oh, we want to give an origin story for him versus Mm -hmm. amuro even though amuro is the main character it's like people just want to know about char yeah because before if you did an origin story of amuro it would just be him going through high school being neglected by his father (laughs) but there's also the the original script which didn't get played out in the 79 series and spoiler you know char is actually the hero in that like amuro dies and char's the one who gets with like noah bright and ends the war mm. i i knew who char was without having just through osmosis yeah and, and speaking of noah bright so he literally just showed up in that ship <laughs> right at the end right we've never seen him before yeah okay just want to check that yeah. I didn't absolutely <laughs> yes yeah. I like how at the end, the girl starts randomly wearing her, like, ninja getup. Oh, Kaecilia. Yeah. Yeah, she's COVID compliant. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was, like, maybe jealous of, like, Char's fancy look, you know, because he had the visor covering his eyes. She's like, yeah. man, I want something covering part of my face. I also had that in my notes. Yeah. I said, when did she get this purple ninja suit? <laughs> Yeah, when this happened, I was like texting Sophie being like, whose identity did she steal? Fools! You have allowed them to jeopardize my plan! <laughs> it is a very Cobra Commander yeah. look, though. Right? Is that her look in the original series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. almost always. Yeah, she's much more uh, just clandestine operations in the in the first one. or Yeah, yeah in the original series. Um, but she does run the, the place that Lala ends up uh, is a new type... Uh, uh, training facility, and that's also under Kaecilia's uh, uh, dominion. <laughs> Was that an origin? No. No, uh, unfortunately. They didn't show it for like 10 seconds Mm-mm. and moved on to something else? Well, would have been I guess they show Lala's quarters. That's the Flanagan Institute. <laughs> so, Oh, okay, that's true. You get to see a window <laughs> in the Flanagan Institute. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, I watched a thing about this, watched a, a YouTube review of it, and they were saying, like, if you don't know anything about Gundam, this is a good place to jump on. And, like, I kind of I kind of understand that on the grounds that, like, this the story narratively is self-contained. Mm-hmm. But um, every single little thing that goes on in it is just full of references to things I have no grounding in whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a better way of putting that is like, if you already know all the Gundam lore, Gundam Origins is what you would suggest to someone who knows nothing about Gundam. Well, I, <laughs> so I'm guilty I, of that. I feel like I, I, you could cut out half of it and it would work. 
if it just did not have mm. all these like Lala and like Minovsky particles yeah. and things just thrown in there like you're supposed to know what they are. Uh, they are. Yeah, they should have just like done a Char origin story focusing on Char as opposed to like throwing random people yeah. in there. Yeah, they did that for me. Like, I'm the one that got the goosebumps. I'm like, oh, it's Lala. <laughs> like Mirai, when Mirai showed up. Oh, my God. That mm. Honestly, until this episode, it was like a little weird, but like, I feel like it would just be these brief things. And then in some ways, like, I think we were talking about this uh, last episode, but with the, the gas poisoning plot line. Uh, this kind of you mentioned this earlier, yeah. Sophie. It's like, oh, like you're thinking this is going to be some character from later in the series, and then they just like mm-hmm. kill them yeah. off. And and so I, I feel like looking forward to the further adventures of Yuki. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it it didn't really bother me until this episode. But then I felt like this episode there was a lot of that, and then also just like the ending. It's just like oh, like, it's just, like, done at some point, like, you know, when there's 10 minutes left in the episode. There's 10 minutes left. Let's introduce 50 characters. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll spend four minutes introducing 50 <laughs> characters and then have, like, six minutes of credits. And uh, it's just like, oh, the <laughs> war the war is happening. Okay, that's the end. Yeah, doesn't it make you want to go watch Gundam? <laughs> Not this specific series, but... <laughs> So what would be the next, what's the next uh, chronologically? Mobile Suit Gundam. Yeah, yeah 1979. So we get through this huge battle. A lot of people get killed. I do love this moment where Duckbill, which was the uh, the reconnaissance craft with the two people with terrible eyesight in it. <laughs> Seems like a bad choice. <laughs> Um, where one of them is like floating in a dreamlike river quality, like he's floating down the river sticks. Hmm. Yeah, uh, to me, this meant like Char was right to not wear a spacesuit in this thing because <laughs> this guy is fucked, man. No one's coming to save him. No, no. I mean, this is another case where I was like, this seems very effective to me. And then I just, but I was ruined by the fact I'm thinking of these two characters in it later. <laughs> and that's why they've introduced them. <laughs> no, but I, I was thinking like, is this character, like, is there an episode of Mobile Suit Gundam where he gets picked up by another ship and narrates these events? <laughs> it could happen. The Black Tri-Stars assault Admiral Revel's ship, forcing him to flee. And as they are, uh, I guess, witnessing Char's prowess, they he gets his nickname. He's moving at three times the normal speed. <laughs> the guy's a veritable red comet. That is the battle. At the, at the end mm. of the scene, why, yeah. why does he give that guy his gun? Isn't he out of ammo? Talking about the green soccer? Uh, like the guy's like, oh, I'll, yeah, like I'll uh, give you more ammo. And then he's like... Seek out your own glory, brother, and then just like gives him his gun. Yeah, it was kind of shade. I felt he was like, seek out your own glory, <laughs> but uh, can you carry this for me? That Char, mm-hmm. he's a rascal. <laughs> he certainly is. Uh, he's very solitary. Lala is kind of his only emotional. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, because he has abandoned his sister, right? <laughs> yeah, doesn't he have a sister? Well, he abandoned his sister and murdered someone to steal her identity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that rascal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this this is a question Sin and I had, right? Is it okay. ever, ever, ever explained why Char and... What's his real name? Caswell? Is it ever explained why they look the same? 
No. No. Okay. They just happen <laughs> to be doppelgangers. So I was thinking, like, it's the future. Maybe they're clones. Yeah. Uh, I thought it might be like a meta joke, like not as a diegetic thing, but in several Gundam series, both in the Universal Century and outside of it, there is a char analog. Like in Wing, there's a guy wearing a mask with blonde Mm -hmm. hair and... Uh, oh, and actually, they even literally clone Char uh, <laughs> to try to bring about a Neo Zeon. But I thought maybe it was a joke that, like, we've cloned him so much in the future. Here's someone who's not a clone of him, mm-hmm. but looks identical. So if the guy looks the same as the protagonist, except mm. for the color of the eyes, <laughs> why does he wear a mask? Right. So Char Aznabal, the guy who's dead. Yeah. Um, who Casval took his place. He's the one with red or brown eyes, right? Yeah. But couldn't Char just be like, oh, I got contact lenses. It's my new look. <laughs> they don't have those in this universe. <laughs> they have the particle with no, the lenses. Maybe, maybe Minofsky particles interfere with your contacts, the, uh, <laughs> like the BioPure solution. There, there also seems to be this thing where whenever he took his mask off and he like looked people in the eyes, they were like really intimidated by him you know like that happened a couple of times where they're like he's looking at me like his eyes so he's doing them a favor i see (laughs) you've never had that experience with someone you've met before (laughs) no some yeah sometimes when i take my eye mask off (laughs) people do have that reaction you're right well i'm blaming every like story complication on minofsky particles from here on out (laughs) Right, 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 right well whenever you notice something like that a wizard did it. So the last bit that happens in the battle is that the Tienum fleet that went past Dozel's fleet, they have a choice to make to either make a suicide run on the Zeon colony or to come about and offer aid to the downed fleet. Uh, and they choose either cowardice or camaraderie, depending on your perspective. Uh, and they do not make a suicide run on Zeon. And of course... You know, there's a load of reasons why that happens, but the the meta reason is because so the series can happen. I, I had a question there too. So, so right before that, we get this conversation between Girin and Kaecilia, right? Mm-hmm. And so Kaecilia was really like pushing this point, right? She's like, but if they did attack... If the Tianum fleet were prepared to sacrifice itself in a suicide run, do you think the Sovereign would be able to fight them off? Mm -hmm. You know, like what would happen? Is it to Dozel or to Degwin? The Grand Degwin. Yeah, and and so I was like, is she like hinting that she can make that happen if they want to make it happen? Or is she calling him out and being like, you put him in this vulnerable position because like you want him, you want them to take that bait and to kill him. I, I think, uh, I think she's calling him out. Mm, yeah. She doesn't like him very much at all. No, no. Yeah. My theory about Tiananmen's decision, maybe it's head cannon, but it's also formed by my impression of Admiral Gop, who we saw earlier with, uh, Tam Ray. Apparently they're calling these things mobile suits. Mm-hmm. Talking about, receiving Minofsky when he was defecting. Uh, so Admiral Gopp had all these investments in Anaheim Electronics. So he's in the military industrial complex. He wants war to keep going. And that's just what my gut feeling was about Tiananmen. Like, oh, here's this very really simple path to end this war, but do we want the war to end? <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of that that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. 
So with the end of the space battle, we come on kind of act two for the episode. And there's this establishing shot with the statue of Daikun with his arm outstretched as if to tell us like, we are still living in the shadow of him and he's, you know, still coloring everything that's happening. And we get this meeting between Girin and uh, Degwin where Girin invokes Daikun. What was it that Daikun said? Did he not declare us the future of humanity? He talks about his vision of spacenoid supremacy and completely misunderstands or refuses to understand the point of uh, the philosophy that was laid out. And Degwin calls him out, right? This is when Degwin says, hey, have you heard of Hitler? Because you sound like him. What's it going to look yeah. like him? <laughs> this is a recurring issue with the seance. <laughs> Maybe Giran originally had the mustache and like shaved it off and kept going and then took the eyebrows as well. It would not surprise me. G Giran is like in the most obviously evil man. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess Kaisili is also at that meeting, mm -hmm. but just standing behind the royal curtains mm. or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Using her new ninja suit. Mm. <laughs> I do like that idea that she saw Char put on like something and she was like, well, now I need something because he got his idea from her in the first episode. Mm -hmm. oh. uh, mm -hmm. So it's like this cycle of influencing each other. That's kind of neat. Yeah, they're influencers. They have their Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Sophie, I had a vision. Ooh, what is it? Okay, so mobile suit Gundam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mobile. Mobile oh, phone. Oh my god, it's so deep. <laughs> yeah. So many levels. Like Gundams could just be like giant telephones influencers use to propagate their influence on the world. Mm. I want to know what Char's handle is. <laughs> Red Comet One. <laughs> Love to do crimes. <laughs> So Degwin tells Kaecilia, hey, you're going to have to kill your brother at some point. And Kaecilia's like, yep, I'm on it. And then we get another meeting with members of the Zabi family, but this time it's Garma. No, I don't want to be assigned to General Staff HQ. Whining about how Char is a big hero and he has nothing to do but be a royal person. And there's like a, a moment between uh, Dozel and Zena, his wife, where Zena doesn't have an audible line, but you can see her go, hey, maybe give this one to him. And I thought maybe it wasn't sympathy. Maybe she just hates Garma. <laughs> She's like, put him out in the field. Maybe someone will do us a favor. Oh, they were classmates, right? <laughs> oh, right. She rode in the car with him. I, how easily I forget. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's more annoying in this scene or then in the next scene where they're at this banquet and he just like comes up to Char and, you know, it's like this very one-sided rivalry where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everything in his mind is relative to Char, but Char just does not give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like the last five scenes we've seen you, you've just been like crying and now you're so like self-aggrandizing. You think I can't handle it. That's what you're thinking, huh? I swear to you, I'm not. Right, and Char has like a normal tone to his voice. He's like, hey, great to see you. Let's have a conversation. And Garma keeps yelling his exploits to the rest of the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet you look down on me, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So this is the thing with all the zombies, right? They don't have any social intelligence. Which I assume, like, no royals do. Like, I assume just aristocracy does not know how to conduct themselves in public. I mean, I was just looking back on the scene, like, Giran saying, the follies of ancient history can offer us no lessons. Like, he has no interest in learning history. What? No. (laughs) He can't be bothered to learn what Daikun's actual theories were. And that's, like, recent history. Yeah. So the setup, this banquet hall that they have, it is designed with a little moat and a little walkway out to it. They call it Daikun Hall. And I thought that was supposed to be the Daikun estate. Like they have the tower in the middle of the lake. So I, I really enjoyed that symbolism because what was supposed to be like this symbol of contemplation and like lonesome suffering is now just like a bully pulpit. Mm. And we find that Garma is inheriting just the worst parts of his entire family. As we shift to his actual military command, he's like a tank commander, right? Which one, he rides around in an open top tank. Any sniper could just put a bullet in him, right? This is really, really dumb. And just like when Dozel's giving his like rousing commands to the troops, like I get that he has this presence, but he's not actually telling them to do anything specific or important. He's just giving them like orders to do vague war crimes, like don't let anyone surrender. Yeah, that was a very disturbing thing when he was like riding on whatever, I guess a tank, right? And just like smashing all the civilians. Like, haha, I have outdone you, Char. Like, oh, It's just like this whole thing needed to be nipped in the butt a very long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, there's like a, a mom with a baby that gets crushed by buildings yeah. that they're blowing up. And even for a space Nazi, he's cartoonishly evil. <laughs> <laughs> Has his evilness really come out before this episode? Garma? Oop. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of a doofus. Yeah. yeah. He makes people suffer around him. But this is the first time he's been like a rampant conquering slaughterer. Mm. Okay, I thought at least like early on, he was very sympathetic, right? You were like, yeah. oh, he's like the sensitive one who's going to like avert the war or something. And then well, he, he's, he's like, an no. interesting sort of type in that he personally might be, but then he just like it's he's so disconnected from things. Yeah. So he'll be sensitive to people that he knows. But if, he does, if he's not personally next to them, he can squish them. He can run over them and he doesn't care. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's really he's really sensitive and sort of like vulnerable around Char because they're roommates. Yeah. Yeah. I think he wants Char. Like oh, especially totally. Especially in that ballroom scene. <laughs> oh, no. <they're, laughs> hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Wait. Hey, I have something for this. I sent this message to Sin. This is sent two days ago. It is just Char and... And Garma's together, and it's just captioned gay with like <laughs> 20 Ys. And then just, it's good now. Uh, yeah, I thought their relationship was a high point of the series. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I, I do believe, Ben, that he had some potential to be better than his siblings. But since the military academy, he's done nothing but like whine and complain to his family members. So yeah, yeah, I think all that potential is gone. Uh, If I had to guess his like warmongering on earth is fueled by like wanting to impress Char or something. Mm -hmm. So Char is like the big war hero and maybe that's what he thinks. That's what Char's into. He's like, notice me, senpai. (laughs) (laughs) This is... (laughs) Oh, no. 
He, I mean, I guess he's since the, yeah, since the military academy, he's definitely had that competitive streak in him, mm-hmm. right? Like he yeah. wants some sort of approval or recognition or something. Mm-hmm. But, but then even just the last episode, when the battle started, he was like, oh no, like people are dying. Like he did care about it right at the beginning. And then now, I don't know. Yeah, the tragedy of Garma. He does really become a monster. And then we end out this act with uh, two scenes uh, where we get the meetings of these monsters. Uh, We have Degwin with Admiral Revel. I agree that this war is by far the worst ever in human history. Ever since Cain lifted that rock to kill Abel, violence between men has not ceased. And we have Kaecilia with, is he a general, Makuve? Admiral Makuve? I don't know. He's a, a total asshole uh, who has a penchant for uh, ancient uh, history, I guess we would call it at this point. Um, I do love the little scene where I know it's just supposed to show that Makuve is like cultured and he understands what a museum curator does not. But there's just this poor museum curator who's doing his best. He's like, for all we know, this came from ancient Greece. Makuve's like, yeah, it's fake. Dude, you just ruined this guy's career. Like, he is having the worst day now. Has Makuve been in it before? Well, I, I think he's been in background scenes. The idea is that he's not, like, military per se. He's, like, an aristocrat. I guess his house was loyal to the Zabis or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaecilia comes up and uh, meets with him, uh, wants to ask him some questions about further war efforts. And then juxtaposed with that, we have Degwin meeting with a imprisoned Admiral Revel, which I get a kick out of seeing anyone in power in like a prison suit. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and he, I, I like this conversation between them because it confirms a lot of suspicions I have. Like Degwin says, he comes to him and says, even though we come from space, we still are God's creation. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? You haven't talked about religion at all this entire time. But now suddenly it's important. They're two old men. They're like two members of the old generation who want to keep playing with their toys, especially Admiral Revel. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this conversation uh, highlighted the only theme I could find for this episode, which was misreading the situation. Mm -hmm. There's kind of that in the opening battle, but then here, Degwin, as, as they he leaves, right, he says, I understand you, Revel. And he's like, I'm going to put into, what he's thinking is, I'm going to put in this, uh, put together this mission to get you back to your people and you will help me end this war because we understand each other. Whereas yeah. Revel has no intention of doing that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so up until this point, I thought Revel was like a good guy. And I don't know why I thought that. Beard. <laughs> <laughs> Because he looks like Santa. Yeah, maybe. Um, but he's, well, you know, he's part he's, of the war machine. Because he's, because he's fighting the seance. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine likes to say, awful people fought the Nazis too. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was an interesting turn that Degwin is trying to, to end the war. So I think at the start of the series, mm-hmm. thought he was the most evil one, right? And then Girin kind of, takes over that role somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and then this, um, like, I, I thought actually, like, Revel was going to, like, help him. Like, I thought that they were kind of both on the same side. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I like that little, that subplot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the juxtaposition I'm seeing, it's like Degwin and Revel are having their talk. And 
Degwin's going to fail in trying to convince Revel to be a part of this plan to end the war. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. Kaecilia is talking to Makuve. You know, he's like the worst choice in the world to send to a peace talk. I'm hardly the ideal candidate to conduct such negotiations. Even if you wanted him to actually like advocate for peace, that's a bad idea. But he's chosen because because they want the war to keep going. Yeah, and he initially misreads that situation, right? He's like, okay, you want me to go to the peace talks and you want me to negotiate a ceasefire. And Kaisili's like, no, I don't want you to do that at all. I mean, I want you to go, but that's not the direction I want you to take this. And he asks her two questions, uh, which she answers in reverse order, right? You know, it's a little theatrical, but I like that she puts up her, her little ninja mask before she answers the second question. He asks her, if the Federation is defeated, well then, if you still want war, then who are we going to be at war with? And she implicitly states like, well, I mean, there are multiple members of the Zabi family. So like if the Federation wasn't our enemy, then I'm sure we could figure out a way to fight amongst ourselves. <sighs> family dinners must be really awkward at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it's like these obvious World War II parallels throughout it, not just in the story, but also in like the way that they meet in that like underground club that's like something from Casablanca. All oh, throughout yeah. it, yeah. But then the way that they talk and scheme is like Imperial Rome or something. It's like just families squabbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very influenced by uh, Imperial rule Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, like you said, Brian, like Degwin, he doesn't want to keep the war going. He ends up actually acting kind of like an emperor, but he's not the one making these decisions and his children are not under his control, right? Just like those uh, Japanese generals who are really running the show. Yeah, Degwin feels very Hirohito to me. Giren feels like Kodoha. It's a mess. (laughs) It's a whole lot in there. And so act three... Uh, is kind of where everyone gets in their places for uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 1979 mm-hmm. to happen. Char has a meeting with Dozel. He was serving under Kaecilia's Mobile Suit uh, fleet, but now that he's such a high rank, he kind of needs a new place. And Dozel decides to give him a brand new ship, a brand new crew, uh, and send him on this specific mission Uh I love this fax machine, this like Lynchian (laughs) alien face thing that comes out of the desk, looks around to see if anyone else is there and then dispenses one piece of paper, which it immediately gobbles back up once you're done with it. I want one of those for Mm. all of my communications. Yeah. I took a screenshot and sent it to Sophie Mm. and I was like, the series is good now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember when this episode came around, it was like, we like the fax machine and they have a (laughs) tight 20 minutes to wrap all of this up. (laughs) That machine Um, eyeballs the room. (laughs) Yeah. So awesome. And then we meet his second in command, who will be the acting captain, uh, Lieutenant Dren. I thought he bore a striking resemblance to a young John Lovitz. It stinks. It stinks. Yes, Mr. Sherman, everything stinks. <laughs> like you could juxtapose the animated The Critic on there and there would be no difference. Was, was I missing something or did Char have two subordinates called Denim and Gene? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> good, we love good. our puns in Gundam. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very serious war story. I, I want the uh, the scene where they explain the meaning of their their names, where they're like in in English back in America. Oh, denim right. was the material. <laughs> He's like my father sewed jeans. <laughs> And he's tragically crushed by a truck full of jeans. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he's got another officer named like Strauss. Like, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> missed opportunity. Maybe I was gonna say they do do the thing again where they they make a reference to something and then they explain what the reference means to us. And then this one I definitely could use because I I had no idea about the uh, so it's called Operation Bluebird. And then I Googled this movie, The Bluebird. It's like a 1976 movie. It's like a USSR American collaboration that seems like no one liked, um, <laughs> but it was historic. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it was like a too many cooks situation where mm-hmm. they just made something very boring that had yeah. no perspective. Yeah. Oh, you uh, weren't referencing the. Cartoon Network film short. What? Too many cooks? No, no. Yeah, I was trying to put the, the pieces like too many cooks. Spoil the broth. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Kaecilia does my job for me. Uh, and just like Bluebird the film, this is kind of a publicity stunt. Right. And just like the film, it probably cost many lives to get it done. <laughs> uh, I love uh, Revel when the, uh, I assume they're Zeon troops dressed at, or no, I assume they're Federation troops dressed as Zeon at first, at least. Uh, when they open up his cell and he sees one body on the ground, he has this look in his eye like, I'm either free or I'm about to die, which again, love people in positions of power with fear in their eyes. And the armored transport that they have, it like immediately just starts firing in all directions. Like I didn't see what they were firing at. It seemed like they were just kicking up a bunch of commotion where there didn't need to be any. That scene made me wonder if like the whole thing was theater. Well, it was Kaecilia's plan. And we get to see an awesome shot of an old man running. And they are immediately, or almost immediately, intercepted by uh, Char's new ship. Right. Yeah. Char shoots some dude in the hand that tries to throw down on him. And Revel comes out and Char immediately puts all the pieces together. So Char decides to let them go. We came very close to ruining a brilliant bit of political theater. Do you think Char thinks Revel will end the war if he gets there? Or do you think Char thinks he will prolong the war? I think he's just trying to fuck over the zombies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think Char had no idea what was happening, but he was like, okay, go. I don't care. I'm here nine to five at six o'clock. Bye. Um, my, my impression is Char put it together. Like there's an inner scheme happening. They're going to keep this war going as long as they can. And he can take advantage of that. Mm. I mean, the zombies think the scheme is where Degwin thinks the scheme is that this is going to end the war, right? Yes. I, you know, like how he would intuit all that, I don't know. Like, oh, this dude's going to double cross the zombies. So if we're comparing this to Imperial Japan, like the emperor doesn't have any power. It's all the generals and mm. the generals want the war to keep going. Mm-hmm. Kaecilia does, Giran does, Revel apparently does. We know that Gop does. Oh yeah, those two assholes. Gop and Elrond? <laughs> Do you think that's Elron Hubbard? Do you think he's still alive? Drinking that moon juice. 
So Makuve arrives on Earth to initiate these uh, peace talks. He's given, uh, I just learned a word from this, plenipotentiary powers, which means he has full authority to uh, negotiate on behalf of a nation. It's mm-hmm. a word you don't use every day. Yeah. I stop to you know read every newspaper that comes across the screen. And in it, it says that Makuve opens the negotiations by demanding land on Earth. Yeah, so the expectation would be like just, hey, recognize our sovereignty. Yeah. But no. Uh, We also get uh, Mirai uh, with her father coming to side seven. And we also get uh, a short scene with Amuro. Him and Kai are just coming off of getting the crap kicked out of them when they tried to see what was behind the restricted area. And Kai gives him this piece of advice. Like, you can't spend your whole life listening to your parents. You got to be your own person. And Amuro is listening to him. He just blows him off initially, right? Um, yeah. And then he goes and starts name dropping when he, like, Amuro goes to the base. He's like, Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> and he misreads that situation, right? Yeah. They, like, take him into a room and he's like, all right, now I'm going to get some answers about the Gundam. Yeah. And instead, they just keep him occupied while some other government men, like, go and raid his home, right? Yeah. yeah. So. I, I thought that dude he's talking to looks just like Fred Durst. Like he has that, like, you know, that same goatee. What, the guy who was interrogating Amuro? Yeah, that's how you knew he was bad news. You're like, look at that goatee, man. <laughs> he's like supposed to be like their Captain Kirk. He's the guy that pilots <laughs> the Gundam Mark I. No, he's like their, yeah, 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 but not Kirk. He's like Pike, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Sorry, listeners, this is not important. <laughs> very interesting to All me. Right. So. So, something that is very important is when Amuro goes back to his apartment after this interrogation and they've taken all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have this one shot where it, like, it, the camera like swivels in 3D to show you that like around the corner of this room, <laughs> it's also empty there. And I was just like, why did this just like happen like this? It's just like really unnecessary thing. The only thing I could come up with is just like some animator wanted like a raise and was like trying to show off. And he's like, I finished animating the scene, you know, when Amuro comes back to his room and he like, just like put in this like swivel shot or something like that. Or maybe like he just wanted to do it, you know? The entire time though, I'm wondering where's the father? Oh, Tam. Yeah, he's on the white base. Yeah. But like he... he's nowhere. He's not home. His son is like going to work spilling secrets. You're not there. And then I watched the first episode of like the original Gundam, mm-hmm. where I guess it's the a battle and then people are exploding. And then Amuro is on the battlefield and his dad's like, Oh, you're here. Well, I gotta go. <laughs> See you. <Yeah. laughs> Just like but the poor child sin. had to use a manual to get into a Gundam, try to pilot a freaking Gundam with a manual to keep himself alive, and his dad's, like, in a car somewhere. But sin, <laughs> after watching Reborn, <laughs> are you not used to the idea that, like, anime male leads don't have a dad? Well, Sophie season two will surprise you. They either don't have a dad or their dad is a scientist and <laughs> a piece of shit. <laughs> and I did feel really bad for Haro. Hey, who are you, people? Because it it tries, right? It was like, hey, activating security mode. Get out of here. You are not allowed <laughs> in here. Activate yeah. security mode. 
<laughs> That's the thing. I was really familiar with that design, having never seen Gundam, because it's merchandised everywhere. Yeah. I just remember thinking, what is this? It's like Olaf from Frozen. <laughs> I just see it everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of acts like a Jiminy Cricket, like a, a little bit of his conscience giving him uh, uh, advice that he will not follow one way or the other. What is it? <laughs> oh, it's like a toy. If you don't spend enough time with your kid, you get them this toy so that it has- Oh, it's like television. A... Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's very television. Yeah, and if not, just get him a fax machine, you know? <laughs> Was the fax machine like scanning the room for Haro? It's just like, where is that little fucker? <laughs> so we get to the peace talks. And everyone is sitting very quietly and smirking at each other. As the Federation admirals come in, they say some really fucked up stuff like, If I'm understanding you correctly, have your war, just do it cleanly. <laughs> you know, lots of people are dying, right? Could you take this seriously? No, you can't. <laughs> Which is too uh, familiar in real life. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. And the peace talks look like they're gonna go off. It looks like there's maybe some hope, but at the last second, uh, Revel arrives and they put him in front of a camera and hook him up to every feed, I guess. He's, he's heard throughout the Earth sphere. He's like, I have a mission from God to uh, repay the Zeon for the effrontery they have caused us. Yeah, so like Revel's whole thing, I imagine no one vetted that. They're like, what are you going to say? <laughs> they just put him on. And it's all more political theater, right? Revel is like respected. I'm thinking about like Colin Powell, right? Speaking out against the Iraq war. Well, but he was still a part of it. <laughs> Eisenhower speaking out against the military industrial complex. Well, he helped create it. Yeah. But Revel's not even like decrying anything. He's just like, let's keep fucking fighting and we're going to smash these guys. Yeah. And then Degwin turns super fast, right? Like he's just like pissed off. And he's like, oh, yeah. Right. And crush the skulls of every last one of those war loving earthers. Hmm. Kill these fucking like earth people. <laughs> yeah. It uh, doesn't take a lot to radicalize uh, Degwin. Or I guess it took something very specific, right? Because he, he thought Revel and him were on the level. <laughs> That's um, like the Federation's propaganda poster right there. Revel's on the level. Sorry, I'm lost. That's kind of where we go. Uh, yeah, and, and there's this shot of Kaecilia smiling as if, like, this has all gone on to, like, according to her plan. Mm. Or at least that she's happy with the development of, of the war. Well, this was uh, not my favorite episode, uh, but I like that it's consistent mm. with its message. I don't know if anyone here has read uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, uh, mm. but it gets into, you know, like people with power and the games they play that lead to innocent people suffering a lot of collateral damage. You know, there's a resource someone wants. You can manufacture or amplify some kind of human rights crisis and create shock doctrine and outrage people and get the gears of the war machine turning. Yeah. You won't be affected by that. Your family members won't. Hundreds of millions of others will, but they are just peasants. And so that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, and that outro, as 
we're like done with the story, but we're we still have animation going. It shows how quickly like peace talks failed, and there are the troops on the ground immediately securing yeah. uh, these resources. It's pretty ballsy how they can make a whole show called Mobile Suit Gundam: The Origin, <laughs> and there's not a Gundam in the show yeah. <laughs> like i thought we were gonna get a gundam right at the end and they're just like did you not stay past the credits yeah i, I thought it was just the bright ship i skipped in the credits i thought i might have skipped past it i just saw them on the ship sorry you had a good point there i'll i'll, I'll edit that too, <laughs> to your credit <laughs> well unless there's a gundam there and then cut it out like I'll, an idiot. Well, now i gotta watch this episode again <laughs> Let, let's record a few different responses to this scenario <laughs> This is future editing, Alex. Ben was right about there not being a Gundam at the end of the show, so I must apologize. <laughs> I almost wish the series itself was called, like the whole thing was not called Gundam. Like I know you, that's like typical anime robot fashion. Like the show is generally named after the big robot that yeah. saves the day. I wish it was called like Universal Century or something like that, mm. but. Revels on the level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Tamino could only revolutionize so many things at once, right? Mm. His original design of the Gundam was not, it was like one color. Mm. It was like gray and white. It was not uh, red, white, uh, red white, blue, and yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had a friend who was showing me like Gundam stuff and just the designs get bizarre. They, they look like kit bashes of like a Gundam and like Getter Robo. It, it's so they just get increasingly like a weird action figure yeah 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 yes. uh double zeta i think that's when it really started to get exotic and then they started putting wings on things don't get me started on the wings it doesn't make any sense i i have heard and i don't know if anyone can confirm this that there is a there is a gigantic hammer is several times the size of a Gundam and has rocket boosters. That oh, the Gundam hammer. Yes. Yes. That's real. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 That's our next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Tamino um, left by this point, or was he doing this under duress? Under duress. Yeah, Sunrise oh, demanded. Poor man. Yeah, they demanded robot of the week. Is, is that the thing that they referenced in uh, Free Cree? Mm hmm. That's what it is. Now this Gundam hammer. It's that Tomino esque thing, saying it's Gundam, but basically it's giant robot anime, right? <laughs> Yeah. Now it's his father is like, the Gundam hammer, that is not a serious thing. <laughs> uh, and we saw kind of a, I like favorite parts of the episode. Uh, I, the black tri-stars are, you know, monsters. Uh, but Mash's uh, Zaku is fitted with a two-handed ax mm. that has extra thrusters on it, which big fan <laughs> loved it. There were some bad, there were some bad designs when it was robot of the week. Uh, the thing that's like a, a UFO with two giant chicken legs. Yes, that one. <laughs> I had that as a kid. I had no. that. You're the one. Yes, I, 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 went in, I had no idea what Big Zam. Yes. yes. No, I was I was in the hobby shop and I saw that looks cute and I bought it. That's I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I'm, I'm just imagining the like Baba Yaga like mm. house with the chicken yeah. legs. Is it that pretty? It's wow. pretty much that. It's pretty much that. Yeah. Wow. Or, or, yeah. If you I, put a particle cannon on, I have to ask. All right. So, you, had you seen Gundam? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
god, that's amazing. It's a very, very weird design. It's it's literally it's like a flying saucer with chicken feet. I thought, oh, I, I like that. I didn't know it was part of a serious war epic, oh. but big Zam. <laughs> So any any highlights, any final thoughts? Well, I guess uh, anybody listening that has been on this ride for six episodes, they've now heard me like spoil everything in the novelization, but I still recommend it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. just so many fabulous moments. My favorite of which is when uh, Amaro meets Selamas for the first time. They meet in a cafeteria and uh, Amaro is, has a crush on her. And it, it comes out that like he's red daikun, right? So like in the book, he's maybe a little bit older, like college age. And like, mm-hmm. like he goes to college and instead of reading Marx, he reads daikun and like Salem mm-hmm. Moss is all impressed and starting to get this feeling like he's a new type. Like he, he's getting some vibes from her as well. And then she like looks at him in the eye and like thinks very intently. He's like, like she's thinking to herself, Amro, if you're a new type, give me a sign right now. And Amro's looking at her and he's like, oh my God, she can tell I'm a virgin. <laughs> and she, she, she gets that impression from him. It's like, oh my no. God, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Not what I was looking for, but thanks for the sign. Some kind of confirmation um, anyway. I agree with you, uh, Brian. I did really enjoy this series. Uh, like you said, this last episode is not my favorite. I really love the first two, uh, dealing yeah. with their mother a lot. Astraya really hits my hits my heart bone. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend the original series, especially to anyone who, uh, who has seen and enjoyed Macross or Robotech. Yeah, this does not do it as much. But I think some of those things that you mentioned, Sophie, the oh, the soap opera. Yeah, about yeah, it, right? yeah. Because like t- to me, the um. What was strongest about this was the um, Char stuff. Yeah. Following Char's life is interesting. And then all this peripheral stuff just confused and distracted me. <laughs> because, mm. But I, under- I understand in context, this is all sessing up Gundam. Yeah. No, totally agree with you. I enjoy a lot of the, the infighting and the uh, yeah. dynamic of the Zabi family. Mm-hmm. But we could have cut that down to about half and focused it more of where it intersected with Char's life. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sin? Any big moments for you? Well, not as good as Katekia Hitman Reborn, but it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) We do like to take recommendations from our guests. I think you just got one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so whether you hated this or loved it, watch Katekia Hitman Reborn. (laughs) No, I'm really confused if Katekia Hitman Reborn, like I haven't heard about it before this. I'm not... (laughs) saying this in judgment, but I can't tell if you guys actually love it it's or just if you like, guys it's think it's ridiculous. First, it's the first shonen Sin ever saw. So in her head, it's this amazingly imaginative masterwork. <laughs> and in my head, it's just like, oh, high school it's student like tournament trope. arc, Nakama, different weapons. Yep, I get it. And she's like, well, it was new to me. <laughs> and and in, in Revenge, I had to watch all of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're doing an episode-by-episode analysis. We finished season one. It's a five-hour podcast. Since there's there's 203 episodes of this. Yeah, we did like 32, so only 195. (laughs) Wow. So it's a real Shonen series, I see. Yes. And then next you'll do um, yeah. Naruto, the 800 oh, episodes. God. We only do good anime. Oh, <laughs> oh shots fired. <laughs> can, can we recommend Ideon? Yeah. 
because it's by Tamino. Oh my gosh, please. Okay, we're recommending Ideon. And what is Ideon? Everyone dies. Spoilers. Kill them all, Tamino. Primarily what it's known for. Um, it's, it's weirdly Evangelion-like in some ways. This, like, mm. this, this robot that has ill-defined powers that are beyond human control. Um, kind of a return to the super robot for Tamino. Yeah, it's with... like depressing super robot. I gotta finish that series. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I yeah. watched like the first three episodes <laughs> and got sidetracked. Yeah, I got um, three in and definitely got the oppressive vibe. Like mm, things mm. weren't going to turn out very well. It is mostly known for the ending where everyone dies, so that's yeah. not really a spoiler. But it's just... uh, I've never heard of it, so if you just spoiled it for me once again. You don't know how they die. So if you loves to spoil you things that are old because she thinks people saw it. A colony gets dropped on them. and uh... <laughs> If people like you, which how could they not, uh, where can they find you? Sin? You can find us at youtube.com slash Sinclair Lore. All right. We do a variety of things, such as cryptids, <laughs> old anime, Kateku Hitman Reborn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed a lot of the Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we do Bloodborne. <laughs> we mostly, I'd say we mostly do Bloodborne. Yeah. Uh, well, was it, there a particular episode that uh, you're especially <laughs> proud of or it might be of interest? Sophie knows. Sophie, what's the episode that we're really so, proud of? Sin is thinking of an episode where we talked about a shield for an hour. That's content, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> and is your YouTube show podcast still delightfully labeled The Snack Covenant? Yes. Forever. <laughs> I have no say in any of this. Sin is is someone who commissioned artwork of herself riding a donut, crushing me. (laughs) Later confided in me she was concerned at the way people people perceived her. (laughs) (laughs) This is largely (laughs) self-inflicted. Well, Sin and Sophie, I will say uh, thank you for... The content you, you did Jay. create. Um, Thank you, I, I played Bloodborne and um, I did enjoy it, but the research or investigation and detective work mm-hmm. that you did for Bloodborne, I got so much more enjoyment out of thank that you. experience. Thank you. Yeah. So, but thank you. Thank you. Both. Thank you. That's, yeah. what, that's, what, that's what we wanted to do was to make yes. it open it up and give people more things to do with it. Yes. More so than like, let me explain the story for clicks. Yeah. 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 yeah we basically started this whole thing because I couldn't sleep at night because I didn't understand Bloodborne <laughs> without knowing who Sophie was at the time. Anyway, started messaging each other, decided to do this one podcast, mm-hmm. this one collab, but it got up, yeah. out of control. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, 300 yeah, yeah. episodes later <laughs> what would have been just some mindless fun turned out to be like profound and very enriching oh yeah nobody covers bloodborne like the two of you do <laughs> no one covers bloodborne <laughs> <laughs> no one is le- it's six years old and no one is left it's just us well, someone's picking it up for the first time, and I hope they're I hope experiencing so too. Yeah. by your yeah. your coverage. One, one thing, just uh, we can cut this out, but just so I don't forget, I did notice at the end of the season, this is translated by this guy, David Fleming, and I was like, where's that name from? And I think he did that Evangelion, too. So at some point, I might try to reach out to him and see if he wants to come on and, and talk oh about Oh my gosh, that would be so yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, that is a really cool idea. 
Oh, and uh, Brian, I see some of your uh, keyboard stuff is packed away. Yeah, uh, I'm in the middle of moving, <laughs> but uh, the beat machines are still active. Uh, still working on our Gundam-themed music sound collage for the season. Yeah, nice. Brian, Brian only has like 10 keyboards today as opposed <laughs> to the normal 30. We're still discussing what we're going to cover next, but we will be back in, I don't know, few weeks we'll figure something out right mm -hmm. are we all set pen pen pals Hado. 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 Hado.